Hey, are you wanting to learn more about your Enneagram type or maybe even discover your Enneagram type? Are you looking for how to take the Enneagram test? Well, check out Crosspoint Ministries' newly designed Enneagram testing experience. Crosspoint has been using the Enneagram with Christian pastors and leaders for more than 15 years, and they've made taking the WEPS test a simple and optimized experience. You'll get your test results immediately, no emails needed. Your results are displayed in a clean, easy-to-read, and downloadable format. Plus, you can create your own account where you can keep your test results, download your profile, and track your personal growth all in one place. To take the test, go to crosspointministry.com slash Enneacast, and you'll get 20% off your first test. Just use the code Enneacast at checkout. Again, go to crosspointministry.com slash Enneacast and start your journey today. Love thy neighborhood. Okay, cool. Oh, definitely. <laughs> awesome. Discipleship and missions. Mission. For, For modern, modern times. So we had to have those hard talks. And, and man, they blew up in our face a lot of the time. But I felt that through that, we handled that conflict rightly regardless of the outcome. And my friends, that... That is like the big thing for me is I cannot predict outcomes, that God is very faithful, but he is not predictable. This is a show about self-discovery. About understanding ourselves. About looking into the mirror to see the good, the bad, and the unknown of who we are. This is about how we relate to God. And everyone else. From Love That Neighborhood in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome. 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 To the Enneacast. Hey, welcome to the Enneacast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Lindsay Lewis. Every episode, we walk you through the Enneagram, and today we are continuing our series on conflict by talking about type sixes and conflict. So we're talking about our loyalists. Mm -hmm. So let's do a quick refresher. Type six, when they're healthy, they're loyal, they're trustworthy, they are alert, they're communal, they're enduring, and they're cooperative. I love that word communal. Yeah, it's a good word when for When I them. saw that, I was like, yes. Yeah, they're pack animals. Yes. When they're unhealthy, though, they can be anxious and fearful. They can become hypervigilant, suspicious, and have catastrophic thinking. They often ignore their own inner authority, and then they become reactive, kind of that circle the wagons or just intense recklessness. Yeah, either attack it or run away from it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so let's talk a little bit about uh, their core desire. You know, conflict can come from anything. There's no shortage of conflict in this world that we're living in. But according to James chapter 4, much of our conflict comes from our warring desires. And so what is the desire of the six? The six has a core desire to be secure. They are extremely perceptive about the fact that we live in a deeply uh, unstable and insecure world. Mm -hmm. And I like to say that they really, truly have a longing for heaven, the stability of heaven, the permanence. And so that drives them in many, many, many of the things that they seek in life. What they're really looking for 
is security, stability, and permanence. Yeah. So one thing I read by Beatrice Chestnut, she said, sixes deal with their insecurity with fight, flight, or friends. <laughs> I thought good. that was yeah. so perfect because we do call them the loyalist, and they love that herd. They want to be mm-hmm. in the herd. They look to an authority figure outside of themselves. They want the safety of the group, um, and that keeps them safe. You know, if I have people that are watching my back and I'm watching their back, we know what the process is. We know what the rules are. That really helps them to have some of that security. Mm-hmm. So for a six, conflict is naturally going to rise when they're perceived as betraying or perceive their authority is betraying mm-hmm. uh, or when they feel like they are being removed from the group. So if we think back to our uh, episode on how to pick a fight, yeah. uh, when they hear this message that you're not welcome here, it's it's game on for them. So when conflict does happen, which we know it will, what do we do? Well, we have talked about remembering Jesus's view of conflict that we talked about in episode 65. So healthy conflict is good, it's transformative, and it's an opportunity to love. Yeah. Okay. So with those three things in mind, let's take a look at these two things. So first, how does type six tend to approach conflict? And then second, how does the six resolve conflict? Okay, so in looking at how a six approaches conflict, we need to look at their social style. So each type is part of what Rizzo and Hudson call a social style triad, and six is part of the compliant triad. So, Lindsay, what does that mean? Yeah, we should be experts at this because we've talked about the compliant triad with one and two, Mm -hmm. and so six is going to round it out for us. These are people that want to obey internalized rules and principles, in order to get what they want. So for the six, that's security. Yeah. If I follow the rules, everything should work out okay. So that can just show up by sticking to predictable processes mm-hmm. in order to maintain a sense of safety. Yeah, I think like the word that comes to mind a lot for me when I think of the six's approach to this is protocol. Mm-hmm. Like they are people mm-hmm. of protocol. There's mm-hmm. a way to do things uh, and there should be predictable systems. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to conflict, Sixes are going to be concerned about the safety and security of the outcome. Right. So whatever the conflict is, they want to know in the end, is there going to be safety and security? The safety of the relationship, the safety of whatever solutions need to happen. But there's a problem with this approach. Yes. So part of the problem with sixes is that they can often create a lot of conflict by seemingly being overly critical of the process. Yeah. So that might look like in a board meeting, you're presenting a plan, and they're raising their hand, what about this? Mm-hmm. And they're raising their hand, what about that? Well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And that can be super aggravating, especially if your ego is making you feel insecure. Mm-hmm. But really what the six are trying to do is make sure the team is moving forward in a way that's going to have a good outcome, yep. a safe outcome. Yep. Yeah, the six is almost, they can't not see the holes in things. Yes. It's just, it's the way that they perceive The problem is when a six doesn't know how to filter all that they're seeing. Yes. And they begin to cast all of those doubts and insecurities on the people around them. Then you got some relational problems on your hands. Yeah. So Um, it's a gift. Right. It's it's a blessing and a curse. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But the gift of the six is that because they're constantly looking for holes and potential problems, 
they are actually really gifted at troubleshooting. Mm -hmm. And because they're loyal, they will want the outcome that is best for everybody involved. Yes. They're not likely to be just tearing you down to promote themselves. Right. They really are looking out for the team. Yes. Yes. Okay, so that is some about how a six approaches conflict, but then we're left with a second question. How does this type resolve conflict? So in addition to the social style triad, each type is also part of what Rizzo and Hudson call a conflict resolution style triad. And the six's conflict resolution style is emotional realness, which means what? That they bring it all yeah. to the table. Yeah. <laughs> so they want things to be open and honest. So their first instinct is to express their feelings, both positive and negative, and they want you to do that too. Mm -hmm. They don't want there to be any sort of ego screen where they're having to wonder, are you really telling me? Is this really true? They want to know the like, deepest layer yes. right out of the gate. Yes. Like no hidden agendas, no secondary motives. They mm -hmm. want it all out in the open. Right. No surprises. So their gift is that the six is able to take other people's feelings and standpoints into account. Sixes can be really empathetic people mm -hmm. and really actually great at trying to understand different people's perspectives. Um, they're really team focused and they're just as concerned about others as they are about themselves. Now, the challenge is that they can get caught up in worst case scenario thinking and then sort of begin to spiral out of emotional control without tapping into their problem solving skills. So they sometimes can go, here's a problem, here's a problem, here's a problem, here's a problem, here's a problem. And they're failing to see solutions or even mm -hmm. the fact that those problems are unlikely to happen. Right. Um, so what is plausible and what is realistic feel exactly the same to them. Like this could right. happen and it's going to happen. It's, it becomes challenging for them. So if you're going into conflict with a six, remember, do not tell them they're being irrational. Mm -hmm. That does not help anybody. I know. I'm married to a six, and sometimes I It's say, like on the tip of your tongue? No, it's not oh, on it, the tip. It comes it's out. actually falling out of my <laughs> mouth, and then I'm wishing I could put it back. Yeah. She's like, I'll show you irrational. Uh, yeah, exactly. It does not <laughs> go well. So instead, be patient. Let them ask their questions, and maybe paraphrase what they said to show them that you're listening. Mm -hmm. And then, I don't know, maybe you can't, maybe there is a place where you sort of say, is this a worst case scenario or is this a plausible yeah. pitfall that we're seeing? Mm -hmm. Do you think mm -hmm. that's helpful? I mean, you have an experience with a six. That all depends on the, the, the moment. Like if a person is really particularly anxious in the moment, like they're not thinking linear anyway. Yeah, it's yeah. like they just need their nervous system to be calmed down. Yeah. And then you can deal with facts and details later. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah. So, OK, so that is a six's preferred way to resolve conflict. But let's talk about some of the ways that they can grow in resolving conflict. So the gospel reminder for the six is this. If a six's desire is to be secure, God responds to them with the healing message that you are safe and secure in my care. Mm. I feel like that's one of the hardest ones. You know, some of these. It's like. Well, you're right. The world is not secure. Right. Like it's a very volatile yeah. place. Yep. But as believers, that's where this message changes. Yep. Because we say, you're right, full of dangers. But we believe 
that something even above all of that is holding it all together yep. to completion. Yep. Even though it's hard. Yeah. Even though you might get cancer or whatever the worst case. Yeah. It was like all the types. It's it's a sense of like Jesus redefines what that means. Yeah. So he redefines what security means. Yes. And so he very much says, I'm not going to give you the security that you think you would need. Yeah. I'm going to give you the security you truly need. God changes the what if to even if. Yeah. So in order for them to avoid falling into their deadly sin of fear, the sixes will need to exercise the virtue of courage. Mm-hmm. And that's going to look like speaking up, which we've talked about can be a strength that they already have when they see a problem. But also listening to your inner authority, mm-hmm. because a lot of times sixes give away all their power mm-hmm. to who they perceive as the authority or the herd. They can, you know, diminish themselves in a similar way as a nine. Yeah. And we want them to look within and find that inner strength that they do know mm-hmm. what needs to happen mm-hmm. and then do it. Mm-hmm. They can take agency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard um, uh, this week I read from Crosspoint, they define courage for the six as the middle way where they mm. avoid they avoid compliance and they avoid control. It's a middle space that mm. is more about trust um, in which I don't need to fully just give myself over, nor do I need to control every outcome. Yeah. But I can have appropriate trust for God, myself, other mm-hmm. people. Um, okay, so we're recommending a breath prayer for each type. What yes. is the breath prayer for the six? So for this, for the six, it is as you breathe in, just saying, God, you are here. And then as you breathe out, I can be courageous. Mm. So because you're here, I can be courageous. That's great. Okay, so that is our teaching about conflict for type six, but we don't want to discuss this alone. So we have a special guest with us today to talk more about conflict, John Driver. John is the executive and teaching pastor at the church at Pleasant Grove. He's also a writer, and his most recent book is called Not So Black and White, An Invitation to Honest Conversations About Race and Faith. John also hosts the Talk About That podcast, a show of funny, personal, and real conversations about faith and culture. He lives near Nashville with his wife and daughter, and he is a six on the Enneagram. Welcome to the show, John. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, we are so excited to talk with you. Uh, we we like sixes a lot. I am mm-hmm. married to a six. I enjoy the company of sixes. In fact, most of my closest friends are sixes. Uh, yeah, you guys are wonderful. Well, I appreciate that because uh, the whole time you were saying all these things, uh, number one, you were inside my soul. So yeah, oh, no. <laughs> for a minute, I was like, wow, okay, this is this is happening. You guys are, are, are rooting around in all the closets and everything. Uh, but <laughs> I, I, in general, I think if, if your six friends are like me, then we kind of feel like all that stuff you said makes us a little too much for everybody. So I love mm. that we're loved because it, it yeah. feels sometimes like, oh man, I'm going to be too much because of all the things I need from these conversations or from Mm. especially in conflict like what i Mm -hmm. need to feel resolved in conflict feels like a lot more than my friends who aren't sixes Mm. yeah yeah my wife expresses similar sentiments uh uh, very similar and so uh but yeah uh just know on on behalf of the rest of us we like you sixes (laughs) you guys are awesome thank you um well talk to us about this when did you first encounter the enneagram and what insights did you gain from it you know, so, I mean, I've been a pastor for 22 years um, and grew up 
the son of a pastor and the grandson of a pastor. So I kind of mm. grew up in, in church, but uh, took a different path uh, in terms of my education. I went to the University of Tennessee and studied uh, history and, and got my graduate degree in, in curriculum and instruction and became a teacher who was also bivocational in ministry. And so throughout that whole path, I, I think I really thought I knew a lot about myself. I was in touch with myself. Uh, and then my wife, I mean, it was really, I guess probably six, seven years ago, my wife, who is a two, who is the smartest person that I've ever met. And that's not, she probably won't listen to this, but, uh, cause she'll be too busy working, <laughs> but, but this is true. So I'm getting no credit. She really began diving into the Enneagram and I was super suspicious because again, this is a, it, it appeared to be a very unsafe system for me. And so she's probably the only one who could get me in, the, in those days to sort of, uh, override, that what felt like mm. a waste of time. And I began reading immediately when I came to like the descriptions, especially the fears uh, of a six, like it was like, again, I was reading inside of my own soul mm. and I was like, oh wow, this is happening. And, and I also then began to see things about my wife in particular and her two-ness that just suddenly made everything make a lot more sense. It didn't, it didn't stop our patterns. I think that's the misconception. Oh, this is going to, you know, cause <laughs> us to be able to change everything. And it's like, well, I mean, it's like stepping on the scale. I mean, it's really, really important and you lose no weight having done it. Like, you know, you, there's still <laughs> a, a process. You're just becoming more aware of, of who you are and, and maybe you can take steps towards growth and health. So she introduced it to me and she's actually a certified Enneagram coach. Um, she has corporate certifications and other things. Um, you know, I, I now, as a writer, work with different Enneagram authors uh, and use it a lot in my personal life and in ministry. So it's just been sort of a, an evolving path that I was very hesitant to get on, but um, here we are. That's really good. Well, listen, stay with us because when we come back, we will continue our conversation with John Driver. We'll be right back. Hi, listeners, it's Anna, media editor. Here at Love Thy Neighborhood, we partner directly with local nonprofits right here in Louisville. Over the past seven years, our interns have provided over 130,000 work hours, free of charge to local ministries. My name is Christy Robison, and I am the director here at Hope Place. Hope Place is a Christian community development center seeking to make hope tangible through the body of Christ in South Louisville one of the most internationally diverse places in the city. They provide youth and children's programs, adult English classes, and engage actively in the community. Christy told me how one of our year-long interns grew in an area of work he was unsure about. And when he came in, he was super nervous about working with kids, and we have a lot of kids here. With COVID, we were able to start our virtual learning hub. I said, how do you feel about being in a classroom a couple days a week, working with students? And he was a little nervous about it. It was definitely outside of his comfort zone, but he did it. And um, he actually enjoyed, ended up enjoying working with the students and actually look forward to his time. You know, that was definitely something that we saw him grow in. If you want a hands-on experience of missions in our modern times, come serve with Love Thy Neighborhood. We offer internships for young adults ages 18 to 30 through the areas of service, community, and discipleship You'll grow in your faith and your life skills. Learn more at lovethyneighborhood.org.
Hey, welcome back to the Cast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Lindsay Lewis. And we are continuing our conversation with John Driver. So, John, uh, so this episode is part of our series on conflict. How do you personally feel when conflict arises? Do you do you tend to fight? Do you tend to avoid, comply? Or as Lindsay said earlier, <laughs> do you tend to... Fight, friend. what is it? Fight, fight flight, or, or find friend. friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it really depends on the situation. And maybe that's part of my counterphobic approach to things. But if someone comes after one of my people, um, I have found that there's a fierceness in fighting that could come out. Um, and it can be very righteous feeling. Um I can, man, I'm, I'm like into scripture now I'm into, you know, uh, but I'm raising my voice and, um, it, especially if I feel that someone, and this is, this is not like a righteousness thing biblically. It's a sense of justice. Like, Hey, I know all the faults of my person that you're attacking better than you do. Mm-hmm. I have, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, sitting here acting like they don't have those faults. But this is unjust because of this situation, because I see what they're doing and what you're missing, and I see that you are hurting them. And I feel mm-hmm. very protective, um, very protective of the people in that. And it's, I think those on the outside of that may feel like, like you said, it's a blind loyalty to either um, wrong systems or wrong leaders. In my particular case, I don't know, it feels to me as if like, no, I I'm the one, I'm, I have struggled with all the same things that other people get upset with my people about. <laughs> like, I, I know them better than you do. You know, like, I, 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 and generally, I've talked to them about it, and we have worked through it, and now my love for them is uh, not out of some just, uh, you know, ignorant sort of high-minded thought process that, oh, I just love you because, like, it's 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 mm. very data-informed. No, we've, we've gone through this. I see where you are. You know, we... We are open about this. So I get real fight. We're fierce in fighting if you're coming against people that I know God put me here to protect. And mm-hmm. certainly family counts for that. Certainly my wife, my daughter, those kinds of things. Like um, I rarely ever avoid. I just, I don't know how to avoid. I, I bet people wish I could. Avoiding feels inauthentic <laughs> to me. Mm-hmm. Um, feels very fake. The, the, the truth is, I want all the things on the table. Yes. If I can't get them, I'm learning to lean into Jesus differently. Um, I'm learning to not just dismiss someone because they may not be made. And that's where I think a lot of this Enneagram knowledge helps. I'm seeing scripturally how we're made differently and that you might not, you're not just trying to betray me or betray. And and you talked about this. It's not just betraying me. It's, it's usually, it's betraying the system that we've agreed upon. Mm-hmm. in relationships or in ministry, it's like, hey, remember when we agreed upon this? And my wife and I, early on in marriage, I realized I'm a real agreement guy. And I've had to back off of that a lot. We once picked a tile uh, that was a neutral color in our first house we built. And she said, we're going to pick this neutral tile color because no matter what we do to the bathroom over the years, it will always work. We never have to take it out. Ten years later, she wanted to change the tile and I lost my <laughs> mind on her. Okay. Like you said, and she was like, John, I like, I didn't make a blood oath about it. Like, <laughs> but, I mean, it's, why in the world out of all the things I can't remember that had stuck with me because mm-hmm. even the tile was in a safe place. Like, nope, I don't have to deal with mm-hmm. that, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and so it felt that she was coming, you're, you're, you're breaking the agreement that, you know, we made. So establishing safe systems in relationships, 
are the key to conflict being healthy for me. That means, mm-hmm. hey, we both agreed that we're not going to hold something against each other, that we don't come to each other in a timely manner to address. So I, so if I'm hanging out with you, I'm, I don't have to now worry like I do with other people. If there's something there, I should be thinking about <laughs> if there's something unresolved. Because you have agreed that through gospel methods, we're going to live at peace with one another. And if there is conflict, we will address it and not avoid it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, can you tell us about a conflict that you had where you saw yourself acting out of the unhealthy side of your type? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, if, if you mess with my people, um, I know <laughs> these are embarrassing talks. Like, I'm very ashamed of them. Um, but there's things I've, I've said on my podcast. But when we disaffiliated from our denomination, um, they sued us to try to take our property. <laughs> we have mm. a, you know, a large property worth a lot of money. And it was a an embarrassing kingdom thing that we begged not to do. And these are lifelong friends, like begged not to do. And and it was um, a year of my life that really is one of the reasons I began recovery. Um, that felt like, you know, it, 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 it was a, man, this is not where we should be in the kingdom. And mm-hmm. there were times in those talks that I had to make amends for, mm. that I was on the right side. And in the end, we were on the right side and we knew that the whole time but that I engaged in the wrong way and wished harm upon those um, that it felt like an unjust attack and specifically upon people around me as well. And to your point earlier about um, being held responsible as if I'm the betrayer, as if I'm the betrayer of the right thing here, oh boy, that that will send me into the wrong side of conflict very fast. Mm-hmm. And then you find yourself though defending your own righteousness and, and and finding that line of going, hey, I haven't done all these things right. Uh, I might be on the right side of this particular issue, but I need to not, in my conflict, build myself up as uh, greater than I am. So it's it's remaining humble as you defend the right thing and not bringing your own reputation into it as a foundation for that rightness. Yeah. A lot of horrible things have been done in history because we felt justified to do it because mm-hmm. we were on the right side exactly. of the cause. And yep. so it's it's not just it's not just do I have the right view, but am I approaching this in the right way? Um yeah. and, and both sides of that are you know are important. Um right. yeah, seriously. Um well well talk to us about this then. You know, if that is an example of a time where you're like, Okay, I was on the right side but I did it the wrong way. What is a time where uh, you engaged in conflict in a healthy way? Yeah, you know, uh, wow, and we're just on all the hot buttons today, guys. Sorry if I'm cold. <laughs> uh, uh, you clearly haven't heard our other podcast because that's <laughs> all we do. <laughs> <laughs> well, regardless of how everybody feels uh, about the pandemic, I mean, as a pastor who went through the pandemic, uh, it, it, it was, we felt as a church that, there were things specifically the racial conversation and and the way we were going to treat our neighbor during this pandemic, you know, regardless of uh, the cries for um, liberty, self liberties, you know, how, how can, how can I maintain my own control of my own liberties? We're like, Hey, when I mean, the gospel really calls us to prefer one another's like, it's, it's not like some obscure scripture. Like this is an explicit theme throughout mm-hmm. this. And so we don't have to, I'm, I'm not saying we don't, I'm a history teacher, a government teacher. I, I write on history. <laughs> like, I'm not saying there's not a time to affect those systems and we need to, you know, be smart there. 
but like to proclaim my highest ethic as personal, even religious liberties in a democratic system is to elevate out of order my true allegiances to the kingdom of God first. And in this moment, there are people hurting, there are people dying around us. And so we had to have those hard talks. I felt, and, and, and man, they blew up in our face a lot of the time. But I felt that through that, um, we was, we handled that conflict rightly regardless of the outcome. And my friends, that that is like the big thing for me is I cannot predict outcomes. That God is very faithful, but he is not predictable. Mm-hmm. And it is so, that is a hard thing that I'm struggling with right now. That he might answer a prayer in the way I want five times out of six. And then that one out of six hangs over me like a hammer about to drop. What if this mm-hmm. is the time he chooses not to? And then that sovereignty and that mystery, can I trust him regardless of it? You know, because he's he's uh, faithful, but he's not consistent in the way that I define consistency <laughs> uh, because of the fallenness of the world. And there's a mystery still to him that I, I can't just, he's not the slot machine, you know, that, that mm-hmm. uh, but, but how can I trust him through that? So there were times that I helped people leave our church well. And, and I could never have said that before, uh, becoming a little healthier that I would go, listen, yeah. if you're going to go, you know, let's have a real conversation with community and let's love you really well and not just try to convince you to stay or go. And I had people who still left that said, you know, I've never, and I've, and, and, and this may be a telltale, I've left churches before, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we've never felt so loved on our way out. And, and we were very honest. We didn't mince words like, Hey, you know, this is why we do this and where we're standing. If you want to leave because we're trying for three weeks to wear a mask, to protect the guy with the heart transplant sitting over in the corner, um, you know, we're going to lead here strongly the best we can. And we think this is a good place for you to come regardless of the politics and the misinformation or all the things. And so I can't, I can't necessarily get you to buy into all of the logic that we have on it, but can we agree on the heart here? And if we can't, how can we help you find your next step without church hurt or without wounds that you carry? Um, and all those things in the light, I, I think were ways we handle conflict better than, maybe before, which was probably one of the only times in my life I would avoid. Like, okay, you, you've left me, you've hurt me, you've, you've abandoned our system, you've abandoned our structure, you've abandoned our pastors, you've abandoned our people, and now I, I can't deal with you, and I'm going to feel weird if I see you at Kroger. Like, you know, mm, I, yeah. I think I've learned to apply like, hey, these are still people, and, you know, and they have valid reasons often, or we don't do all this right. <laughs> and, you know, we've, we've, we're still learning and growing as well. And so having some sort of... Um, a sense of peace, like it's it's okay to still love people even if they seem uh, disloyal in a way that mm. maybe I think I would never be disloyal. I have mm-hmm. to not make myself the standard of what good relationships are. I have to make the gospel my standard. And there's freedom there. Now, I don't have to be upset with them. I can be like, okay, I don't like what you did and that was hard. And you had good reasons and bad reasons. It's a both and. It's not an either or. And um, it's okay if I see you. And that's a lot of my amends, even with with the guys, by the way, from our denomination. I was able to make amends to them, and we were able to 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 you know be at peace in the kingdom of God because it's you know we we're supposed to strive uh, for peace in the kingdom of God, for that bond of peace and that brotherhood. And I was able to say, look, if I see you at a funeral because we're going to see each other both in ministry, I'm not going to feel weird. I'm, I'm mm-hmm, just going to yeah. ask you how you're doing. So I think those are some some ways we've grown in better conflict. Uh, yeah. 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 That's good. Uh, Yeah. Especially I was thinking too, even about, you know, that is the mistake we make. You, you said, um, that we make ourselves the standard 
and 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 that's like all the types do that in some way like mm-hmm. w- it may not be in the area of loyalty it may mm-hmm. be in other areas but we go like i am the gold seal <laughs> of how to do this thing mm-hmm. and and then we look at jesus and we're like i'm pitiful <laughs> like yeah. in contrast you know right. um and uh but man in the moment it just it can feel so true um so in the midst of conflict you know what is one thing that you wish everyone could know about you or about your type? I think it's what you guys said. When I feel like I'm overwhelming the table with information and I can see it on their faces, it feels negative to them. Mm. I want them to know I'm protecting them. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I want them to, regardless of their types, allow the process of what I'm doing, like engage with me for a minute um, so that together we can seek the best outcome for everyone. And I don't want to be dismissed as um, the alarmist, you know, because mm-hmm. the, the, the flip side of that is, is I'm always the one here picking up all the pieces for all of you guys that didn't pay attention to what was coming. I mean, that's the sort of martyred response, you know, and there's also yeah. a truth to it. And we would appreciate the help to not make the mess if possible um, so that we can build things that are safe. And um, but I'm also learning to hear them. And I think that that's what really is really great. You know, I look at my staff now uh, and when I say my staff, I mean, like my role in managing the staff. Um, you know, I, I look at them and, and I take joy now going, well, I mean, I know where my two friend is coming from <laughs> very well because my wife's a two and my nines you know i mean i know how to get everyone else to quiet down like hey guys she was talking you know and we literally all just talked over her you know like mm-hmm. you know her voice really really matters uh, without you know making a big deal about it but my my lead pastor's a seven and so everything's always great like we're, <laughs> my joke always is if the church ever catches on fire um, you know, I will be running in and out with a single glass of water trying to put it out by myself <laughs> and he'll be gathering everyone else, the elders, everyone else around and like, Hey guys, let's roast marshmallows. This is beautiful. <laughs> it's a beautiful fire, you know, we're both unhealthy, you know, so we really balance each other out well. And, oh my gosh. You know, my seven wing and his six wing, you know, they do, you know, we, we cross pollinate on some things and see the world the same and very differently. But I'm, mm-hmm. instead of me being frustrated with him. I need his seven positive energy instead of like dismissing it as irresponsible. I realize, wow, what a gift that is in this moment that somebody is is seeing the beauty of what we're doing and and taking that in. So I want them to to hear what I'm trying to do, but that probably only works if I hear what they're trying to do as well to answer the question. Mm. Yeah, that's really yeah. good. So the virtue for type six is courage. How do you think that courage helps your type approach conflict in a healthier way? It is funny that that word would come up because in all of my therapy lately and in my journey, and I've told my wife even, and, and I'm not, believe it or not, guys, I'm disciplining myself not to share every minute, uh, deep, <laughs> dark place in my life right now uh, to the world. Um, but there's been, it, there's been hard journeys and there have been days I've just woke up and said, I'm just, and I sense this from the Lord even within me, it is just taking a lot of courage for me just to show up. Like it, it's in, in, in life, it, it's taking a lot of courage for me to keep pushing some things forward mm-hmm. because I, I can't see any outcomes working out the way that, that I want them to, um, 
or the way that I planned or the way that I expected. And I think expectations, you know, I tell our church sometimes, you know, show me your expectations and I'll show you your disappointments. Hmm. I mean, where you see things coming and, um, is, is probably not where they're going to come. And so, um, I just think the courage to not, as a guy who can't quit anything, this sounds very strange, but to not give up on hope. Like it takes courage to do that. If you, mm. if you lose hope, you really lose everything. Um, hope by its definition, biblically, even the Greek word is the same word as to wait. So literally I, I can't, I can't experience hope if I'm not waiting for something that I have not yet received. Otherwise a scripture is very clear. Like if you already have it, you no longer hope for it. Yeah. And so, it's like the problem is the answer in some ways. Like if I'm going to experience hope in my life in Christ, then I have to accept the fact that things are broken and that he's making all things right, but it's not happened yet in its entirety. And in this in between, you know, this, this, I know all the songs and all the books and all the things written about it, but Hey, as I live in these in between moments, it is not irresponsible to hope. It is, Christian. (laughs) It's okay to hope as I try to prepare, but I can't prepare for everything. And there will be things that don't end well. And there will be things that do. And in the end, God will make them all redeemed. And that, that hope I have to keep leaning into, it takes courage. It takes courage to not feel foolish in doing that. Yeah, that's so good. And I, I, I resonate with that. I mean, if you think about, I don't know, the experience of living it takes courage to hope. Mm-hmm. Like it's a lot easier um, to let ourselves succumb to, you know, well, the way it worked out in the past is the way it's going to work out in the future. Nothing ever changes. People don't change. In fact, they get worse. Like it's just easier to succumb to pessimism and darkness and inevitability. And um, and it does. It just takes a lot of courage to hope. And so, so I think that's a good word. So all you six is listening. Have the courage to hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and the rest of us are, are trying to. I was going to say, and the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, listen, uh, stay with us because when we come back, we will be playing Name That Type with John Driver. This podcast is made possible because of generous supporters. If you would like to help this ministry continue to make this podcast, you can sign up to become a Patreon supporter. You would have options to unlock bonus interviews, be a part of exclusive live stream events, even be a part of an LTN book club. It's really easy to join. Just go to patreon.com slash love thy neighborhood. We'd love to have you with us as we explore discipleship and missions in our modern times. Again, go to patreon.com slash love thy neighborhood and sign up today. Welcome back to the Unicast, Jesse Eubanks. Lindsay Lewis. And now it's time for Name That Type. Okay, our game today is Name That Type. Here's how it works. We're going to be given a category and we will each take turns naming something within that category that we think represents each Enneagram type. For example, if the category is fruit, 
I might say pineapple for type four because it's unique and a bit prickly. Uh, after you answer for your turn, the next person will move on with the next type. If on your turn, you're unable to come up with an answer within 10 seconds, then that same type will pass to the next person. We will each start out with nine points. Every time you have to pass, you lose a point. Whoever has the most points at the end wins. Are you both ready to play? Yes. I'd like to say that I don't feel very safe. Uh, you guys, uh-huh. are, y'all have done this before, so I mean, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm in. We haven't but, done, we haven't done this category. But we haven't done this category. It's a new okay. category for yes. us. Okay, okay. Okay, here we go. Our category today is kitchen utensils. I'm ready. All right, we're gonna start with type one. John, guest goes first. <laughs> All right, I would say type one for me would be butcher knife. Because, like, <laughs> out of all the knives you could pick, black and white, we know you grab the butcher knife, there's a big piece of meat that's got to be cut. Like, you don't go grab the little <laughs> one. This is black and white. We got to use this one. You don't use it for little things. You use it for the mm-hmm. big things. It's very evident as black and white. That's wow. good. That's good. Uh, okay, Lindsay, type two. Oven mitts. Oven mitts. Yes, because... They're very helpful in protecting your hands Mm -hmm. so that they don't get burned and they come in cute, friendly colors. Mm -hmm. And casseroles. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Which is like the, uh, you know, the sainted food of type two (laughs) would be casseroles. Of the Baptist type Uh two. That's right. Uh, Okay, type three, uh, I'm going to say the microwave. Why (laughs) have something take an hour when it can be done in five minutes? It may taste a little funky, but at least it got done. I don't think that's a good one. (laughs) I would have said KitchenAid Mixer. KitchenAid Mixer? Because they're like big and shiny and everybody wants one and they come in so many beautiful colors. There's some beautiful microwaves out there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Okay, type four. Uh, I'm going to say the salad shooter because there's all kinds of ways to make a salad, but why not find the unique as seen on TV way that no one else is going to have? to do it mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so you know everyone mm-hmm. else is just going to toss it in a regular way but there's a really good way to make this thing differently uh, that no mm-hmm. one else is using Salad <laughs> <shooter>. <laughs> that's a good you one. also might occasionally get hit by them <laughs> so, uh okay type five okay for type five i'm going to choose the i don't know what it's called exactly but it's like a bluetooth digital thermometer Mm -hmm. that you put in the meat when you're going to grill it and then it talks to your phone and tells you because it's internal like the five Mm -hmm. and also it it saves you energy of getting up and walking back and forth to the grill Mm -hmm. and so it helps them with that low energy they can have it just right at their phone that is a wonderful answer thank you good job (laughs) okay uh let me go the other direction for type six i'm gonna say a spoon Because it is classical, used throughout all civilizations. It has shown itself to be the most reliable Mm -hmm. kitchen utensil in all of humanity. And so, uh, so Old Faithful the Spoon, Mm. which is, you know, should be its nickname. Uh, Tonight, when I serve something with the spoon, I'm going to be like, guys, get out your Old Faithful. Yep, that's right. That's right. Uh, okay, type seven. He got four and seven. That's pretty fun. I know he did. Yeah. I'm gonna say this is this may be a stretch, but I'm gonna say the telephone. 
to live stream the entire cooking process so that the whole world can enjoy the fun and adventure of what you're doing. Like you're talking mm -hmm. to them, you're chopping. I mean, they're, they're seeing what you're putting in. It's all so much fun that everyone's going to want to be a part of it. <laughs> mm -hmm. You should start your own YouTube channel. That's right. You know, yeah, you can live, live stream. Live stream. Yeah. yeah. I would say sprinkles. Sprinkles. Is that a oh, kitchen utensil? Uh, it no. is in my house. It helps yeah. my children eat their food. I utilize it. To, put it on the salad. On the oatmeal. Oatmeal <laughs> 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 with sprinkles. Uh, okay, type eight. Type eight. So can we say one that's already been said or has to be? Nope, brand new. Has to be a new one. Brand new. Okay. Because yep. butcher knife would be great for the type it eight. Would. Just say. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say a cast iron mm -hmm. Dutch oven. Okay. Because they are the heavy duty, mm -hmm. heavy lifter. Put it all in there, and it is going to cook like a boss. Mm -hmm. You could also drop it on somebody's head and knock a sucker yes, out. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, type nine, the family dog. <laughs> That's because not a kitchen it utensil. just lays on the floor <laughs> and just eats whatever falls oh onto the floor. <laughs> okay, I got two X's from the judges uh -oh, in the back. No uh -oh. dog. Yeah, the, okay, the dog cannot count as, as a kitchen utensil. I think I just lost a point. I think that was it. <gasps> oh. I think I was, so I. I've you lost. Lose. I'm out. So. So John and I win. John and Lindsay, congratulations. Woo! You have both just won. Name that type. Yes. <laughs> so wait, now can we say other things that we think would be good for the nine? Uh, go ahead. Okay, yeah. John, what would you say for the nine, though? For the nine. Man. Oh, the crock pot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's good. Yes. Yeah. Low and slow. Yeah, that's good. All right. And now it's time for five final questions. All right, John, who are two people that you currently admire? No biblical characters allowed. You know, I really, um, my friend, uh, Dr. Jamar Tisby, uh, who we've connected since I've written um, on on racism. And um, I don't know if you guys are following. There's some difficult things yep. happening right now in, in the world yeah. at, at the college and the statements being made. And I'm watching just courage from him and mm. faithfulness and staying in a gospel lane uh, but also bringing in history and, and other things. Cause I do, I do believe that these are important conversations to have that I know tip people into emotional places. But like I said, we need to go there and try to remove whatever insults us. And I'm watching yep. him do that. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm very encouraged uh, by his courage. And, and, uh, so that's great. And, and I really, guys, I know this sounds like I'm, uh, you know, trying to get bonus, you know, brownie points, but you know, my pastor right now, um, Man, I'm just, I'm, I'm watching his stick to itiveness. His house was destroyed by a tornado in 2020. Mm, and then wow. he had to fight the insurance company for a year in the middle of the pandemic in order for them to oh pay. And he's also a builder. And so like, as, as we do so many things at church right now, he is out building his house as well with, you know, different contractors and subs. And his just, um, and stuff just hits him so much. And he just leans into Jesus. He just does. And even though he's a seven, he's not just, all the time, everything's great, but he finds a way and I just see a fullness of life regardless of the circumstances. And it is teaching me that, that that's the, that's what we're all going for. <laughs> and I watch yeah. him. So I, I really admire watching him, um, as a seven, especially stay, stick with all the things he sticks with and, uh, finds his joy in the Lord. It is no small thing to be a pastor right now in America. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Uh, okay, question number two. How do you like to waste time? I mean, honestly, watching The Office at night. <laughs> good man. Uh, That's so a good man. man. I, I watch The Office a lot. And it's one of those, uh, one of my nine friends, like she won't watch anything new. Like she has to rewatch reruns. And I think my nine path really resonates with that. When it's time to just be safe in the house and lock all the doors and turn on the alarm and just be with my people. Man, yeah, turn on something familiar. Uh, I'm good to go. The Office. I don't yeah. endorse um, everything The Office stands for, everybody. I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, like there, there's a lot of quotables there. So if you've lost all respect for me, then it was probably inevitable anyway. So. <laughs> no. Okay, number three. Can you tell us what is on your nightstand? Guys, I have a thousand page history book wow. that I read throughout the year. When I'm, I have a lot of ministry books. I can name a bunch of stuff that I'm reading and doing for research. But, man, it's it's Grant by Ron Chernow. Uh, and I get mad as a writer because I work with a lot of publishers on things. I'm like, how did y'all let this guy do this? It's got to be 600,000 words. And, you know, most trade books are 50,000 words. Uh-huh. And it's just one of those things I just, I just, sometimes I'll take out a red headlamp when my wife falls asleep at night because the red light doesn't wake her up. And I'll just read. I'll just, I'll just immerse myself in nerdy history. And uh, I love it. Like if I go on a vacation, I'll just sit there on the cruise ship or at the beach and just read nerdy history and then, and then go take a run. Um, eat, read, history, take a run. That's kind of my, uh, if I was going to waste time, boy, I love it. And I know that sounds nerdy, but it's just who I am. I'm at peace with it. Hey, that book could also uh, double as a, a, a weapon. weapon. Yeah, yeah. So strap it to your chest. If somebody breaks into your house, strap it to your chest. It's a bulletproof vest. Or throw it it's like an axe, like at one of those axe-throwing places. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's got lots of lots of uses. Uh, okay, <laughs> number four. What is an important lesson that you've learned from failing? Um, I think I've learned that I can pre- I can be consistent in processes, but I cannot consistently predict outcomes. And it, it, it still bothers me a lot. And I, I read a quote the other day that someone's like, they, they no longer say they fail. If they fail at something, they just go, okay, I learned. And so realizing like when you fail, it wasn't your one chance. It wasn't your one mm-hmm. shot. God's in control. Uh, and, and the outcome wasn't what you wanted, but you can continue in the right processes. And most importantly, oh, this sounds so preachy, guys, and I'm sorry, but this <laughs> is what I'm really leaning into, that God is really more concerned of who he's forming me into than he is of what happens at my hands. What I accomplish mm-hmm. is not as important as who I become. And mm-hmm. um, that that's the work. That's the Ephesians 2.10, that I am that workmanship, that I'm being created in him and recreated in him. And that's what he's working on. And he may not care as much about the book sales, <laughs> you know, and those things, mm-hmm. which I'm very offended by, you know, like, hey, I need to find out this. <laughs> uh, but it's a reality and, and it's good news uh, that I'm not tethered to those things for my value. And the failure reminds me of that, just not in a way I would have chosen. Mm, that's great. All right, our last question. What would you like to hear God say to you when you die? Ooh, yeah. When I went through 12-step recovery, one of the things that kind of came out of me in all of my writing and my work was that my biggest fear is that God, it's not that God won't make my life count, it's that God won't stop me from screwing up my life. Mm. That whatever that balance that mysterious balance between sovereignty and stewardship of what is required of me and what he's going to do that I think, you know, all the, the, the religious circles and the philosophical circles, I mean, that's what we all, I think, are constantly seeking to know. What's up to me and what's up to him and that balance between is where 
everything cascades from. That God, I don't trust that you're not going to give me too much choice to mess up my life. I'm asking you to lead, you know, but you also give me agency. <laughs> and and it's, I don't know the balance between. So if I get to heaven and God says, hey, your life wasn't wasted. And I, I do believe I'll hear that. That's actually a, a thing. I believe your life wasn't wasted. That that will confirm uh, that I trusted him, you know, mm-hmm. um, and not just because of the value of my life, but also, hey, you know, people in this world, I used you uh, in a way that made a difference. And despite all of your pride and all of your self-serving interests and the way that you wanted to promote what you wanted, I still worked it all out. And man, if there's ever a thing a six wants to hear is that your life wasn't wasted and above all else, everything is okay. It's just mm. okay. <laughs> just to hear it's okay for me, for the people I love, hey, that's uh, that's what I want to hear. It's mm, beautiful. Yeah. Well, John, thanks so much for joining us today and for just being so candid and open. And uh, I know that a, a lot of our listeners are just going to connect with everything you've shared. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, guys. It was a pleasure to be with you. If you benefited at all from this podcast, please help us out by leaving a review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Your review will help other people discover our show. Special thanks to our guest today, John Driver. To hear more from John, including his writing and his podcast, you can find him at johndriver.com. Also, go pick up his book, Not So Black and White, an invitation to honest conversation about race and faith. You can pick that up wherever it is that you buy books. Also, special thanks to Crosspoint Ministry who helped train us in the Enneagram. You can check them out at crosspointministry.com. The show is brought to you by Love Thy Neighborhood. We provide internships focused on service, community, and discipleship for young adults ages 18 to 30. You can serve for a summer or a year, and you'll grow in your faith and your life skills. Learn more at lovethyneighborhood.org. This episode was edited by Lindsay Lewis and myself. Rachel Zabo is our media director and producer. Anna Tran is our audio engineer. Music for today's episode comes from Murphy DX. I'm Lindsay Lewis. And I'm Jesse Eubanks. Remember, the eye can see everything but itself. Find people to journey with you because you were created for community.